says, John chapter 1. I'm going to read from King James, New King James first, Caleb, and then I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Actually, I just want to go straight to the New Living Translation, save, save a little bit of reading, a little bit of time. That's where I want to go tonight anyway. John chapter 1, New Living Translation. Tell me when you got it, verse 1. There it is. In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and he created everything through him. And God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. That makes me want to stop and think about in, um, when the prophet saw the vision of the river coming out of the, from under the threshold, coming from the throne of God, it was speaking then of the Holy Spirit. But it says in him, this life, this, that the word became, he created everything, everything through him, was, nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything created and the life brought light to people and the light shines in the darkness. The darkness could not extinguish it. It says he gave life to everything. That vision of when the, when the Spirit of God began to flow from under the threshold from the throne of God, it talked about waters that was up to your ankle and water that were up to your loins, water that was over your head, waters to swim in. But even the prophet talked about, he says, that everything that the river touched lived. <laughs> Everything the river touches lives. Verse 6, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light. Of course, the light, the word we're talking about is Jesus Christ. John sent John the Baptist to, the, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply, the, simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everything or to everyone who is coming in the world. He came into the very world he created. Now we're getting down to some good stuff. He came into the very world that he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came into his own people, and even they rejected him. But there's a... That's a wonderful conjunction. He came into the world he created. They didn't recognize him. Coming to, to his very own people, they rejected him. But to all who believe and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. <laughs> and they were reborn, not of a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Now listen, you know in King James it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
Listen, it's it's a literal translation. The Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we see his and we have seen his glory, the only of the the only the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am. For he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but this unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. I don't think I'll read further. First of all, I'll go ahead and say again, church, I hope you check in tonight and let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Because that's what we need a fresh revelation of, the, of Jesus Christ. More than we need anything in this world, more than you, more than you need to eat, more than you need to sleep, more than you need a better job, more than you need a vacation. More, more than, there's more, more than anything I need or you need is a fresh revelation of who Jesus Christ is and what he's, what he's came and done. One of the greatest statements in all of the Word of God is the Word became a human being. As the Word became a human being. It's one of the, it, is, it is literally the high point of human history. What, what John the Beloved wrote about concerning Jesus Christ. That the Word, listen, the Creator became the creation. It's the high point of human history. You say, I thought the high point of human history was the, was the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Not even close. I thought the high point of human history, whatever you want to come with. with. Not even close. The high, if, we would, if it would click in this place right now and every heart that was sitting under the sound of my voice, we would shout until the sun come up in the morning, I guarantee you. If, we, if, it, if it comes alive in your heart, what it means that God became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. It, it is what gives you hope today, whether you even think you have any or not. There's something that this land needs to learn again and what the world needs to learn again is that the manifestation of Jesus Christ is the very cornerstone of Western civilization. Whether the professors like it or not, whether the theologians like it or not, the liberal theologians, whether the politicians like it or not, the fact that the Word became flesh and dwelled among us is the very cornerstone of Western civilization. It's not Rome. It's not, it's not the Greek thinkers. It's, it's, it's not Plato and all those people. It is Jesus Christ that changed everything. We need to hear again tonight that Jesus changes everything. 
He doesn't, he hasn't, he doesn't, he's changing everything, but he changed everything when the Word became flesh. When the Creator, it says everything was made by him and through him and for him. He is the Creator of everything, and he became the creation. It's the high point of human history. The point that today we mark time by, whether we like it or whether we don't. Do you know what? The Muslim world marks time by this man. Do you know what? The, 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 the communist atheist marked time by this man. <laughs> yeah. Wherever you go, the haters, the deniers, the scoffers, the, 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 the persecutors all live on the same time clock because the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It changed everything. It is one of the greatest statements in all of the Word of God that the Word became flesh. The Word became a human being. High point of history, the Creator said he dwelled among us. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. All of history before that, it was a reconciliation because see, God in the beginning came down and walked and dwelled in the cool of the day with Adam. And there were times that he made his manifest glory present all throughout the Old Testament. But it, was, but it wasn't a dwelling. It was, a, it was a showing up at times. I always think about Samson, about times. It says, and the Spirit of God, how many of you know Samson? Y'all remember Samson? I can talk about Samson in a minute because you know I don't happen to think, I, I doubt that Samson myself was, I doubt that he was any big deal as far as a physique. I don't think so. You see all these drawings of him with his rippling muscles? He's, he's ripped and he's cut, looking like Mr. Olympus. And I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because, see, if that was the case, that would mean that Samson's strength was, was part of his human being, part of his human flesh. But the Word of God says that the Spirit of God came on Samson at times. See, when, they, when, he had, when he had a great battle come against him, he's walking by and he finds a jawbone and whips a thousand men. It wasn't because of his, his physique. It's because the Spirit of God came on him in a time that it was needed. Whenever the, whenever the very, when he was laying in the lap of his destruction. And huh, Samson, can I ask you a question? If Samson had all that rippling physique, why in the world would Delilah say, Samson, baby, baby, where does your strength come from? Where does your, three times, where does your strength come from? He'd say, oh, if you bind me with new ropes. And she's, so while he's asleep, she bound him with new ropes. And she, hey, the Philistines are up on you. And he, it, says, it says, and the Spirit of God came on him. And he stood up and he, Bruh. And at the end of that little tale with Delilah, when he finally gave in and he said, if you'll shave my head. Does anybody think that Samson's strength, his literal strength was in his hair? 
His, his strength was in his vow and his obedience to the vow. His, his, his strength was in his obedience to what God asked him to do. See, I'll, I'll tell you again before we go any further that the, that the power of God is in obedience. The power of God is in obedience. What am I telling you this for? I'm talking about, it says, and it says, when, she, when, when he broke the vow is what he done and told her and she shaved his head, it says that Samson got up as he had before, shook himself, and he said, hey, King James says, and he went not. <laughs> he did not know. Think about this position. He did not know. He stood up and shook himself as he always had. And he did not know that the Spirit of God had left him. Where did his strength come from? His obedience. What am I talking about that for? Because it says that, that it, it goes talking about this birth. When the, when, when the word became a human, human being, it said it wasn't out of human passions. And it wasn't out of human strength. It wasn't because the right couple had sexual intercourse, is what he's saying. It's because he was born of God. Because he was God. That the creator became something. Isn't it interesting? <laughs> Isn't it interesting who the one who is outside of time on his father's side, on his mother's side at a birthday? <laughs> oh, don't get me started. I could talk about all night that on his, mother, on his mother's side, he said, I thirst. <laughs> and on his father's side, he said, I'm the living water. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. On his, on his mother's side, he said, I'm hungry. And on his father's side, he said, I am the bread of life. <laughs> Talk about that the creation, the creator become the creation and dwelled among us. He didn't come on like he didn't come on us like he did Samson at times. He came to stay. He lived with them. When he called his disciples, they stayed together. They walked together. They ate together. They slept together. They went through hardship together. He came and was among us. He came to be like us and with us for us. It had to be that way. He, it was the only way that he, could, that he could reconcile us back to his father. Oh, if it would just get a hold of us. What he's done already. If you're born again, what he's already done for you. If you're not born again, what he can do for you. What the difference is. You're going from death to life, from darkness to light. He dwelled among us. The, the words that he's using is literally he, the, creation, the creature, the creator become the creature he dwelled among us. He made his home among us. Literally translated, it says he pitched his tent or he tabernacled with us. You know, it's the ultimate goal. <laughs> well, before I go any further, can I just read you Revelation 21 when it's all said and done? Can I read it for you? Revelation 21, this is, this is when it's all said and done. I'm talking about the, the word became flesh, become the, crea the creator, become the, the creation. He come and dwelled and pitched his tent. 
become a tabernacle with us. And John wrote in the Revelation, the same John, this is the same John that's writing this gospel, he wrote in the Revelation of, of Jesus Christ in chapter 21 when it's all said and done. This is after all the judgments. This is after all the tribulations. This is after, this is when everything's been defeated, he says that I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from, of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. <laughs> and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no pain for the former things have passed away. And he that sat upon the stone said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write these words that are true and faithful. Behold, he says, the tabernacle of God is with men. It's literally, that's the finish. That's when, do you know what we're striving for? It's to be reconciled to a place of, for eternity that God tabernacles, dwells with men. That, we shall, that we shall, he shall be our God and we shall be his people. And it's the end of it's when everything is reconciled back. But the, the means was when the word became something. The creation. And tabernacled with us. Come on, folks. We beheld his glory. Do you know what he's he's talking about? He's referring to the times. When Jesus manifest, when this word manifested himself, specifically here, it was, it, remember the tabernacle in the wilderness? Remember when they were in the wilderness for 40 years? Remember that it said that the presence of the Lord would come and it would be a, 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 a cloud by day that would shelter them and give them, and give them cover and give them direction. And it was a pillar of fire by night. That would give them that would give them protection, warmth, and refuge. And that pillar, that cloud dwelled over the mercy seat. That pillar of fire was over the mercy seat. It was literally the manifest word of the living God. It was it, when he talks about that the word became flesh, the world be, the word became a human being and dwelt among us. He's literally talking about the and we beheld this glory. He's talking about the Shekinah glory of God. It's his literal manifest presence in the person of Jesus Christ. That it's a, he's saying the same thing that when the word became flesh, it was just like when the cloud came and led them in the desert. It was just like when the pillar of fire came and led them in the night. See, when, when, when the word comes and, and you behold his glory, you'll find out that, it, that the same Jesus, the one that came and dwelt among us, it was like Abraham's ram. It was Jacob's ladder that connected heaven to earth. It was Moses, it was the voice that came from the bush. It's a, it's, these are the instances in the Old, in the old Covenant that was that's what it was when the Word came and dwelled. Are you hearing me? It's, it's the testimony at times in the Old Testament when the Word came and dwelled. Abraham's provided a ram. 
Moses is given direction. Jacob sees a ladder with angels ascending, the heavens open and angels ascending and descending and wrestles with the living word. And, and, and leads and, and, and fulfills the promise of God through him that they'll have a people. It's the voice from the bush. It's the water from the rock. It's actually, it's the rock. Go and read the, the, the Corinthian letter where it says that Jesus was the rock that led them in the wilderness that which the water came forth from. See, there is a fountain. <laughs> it was Aaron's rod that budded. He was, the, he was Ruth's kinsman redeemer. I'm talking about when the word would come and make itself known. But, it, but it, see, he didn't come and dwell, Matt. He, didn't, he come and made himself known, but he didn't dwell. When, whenever they were at the bitter end, whenever they, they were going to die, he was a kinsman redeemer to a little Moabite girl that, bought, that reconciled him, her back. He was Ezekiel's will in the middle of the will. He's Daniel's fourth man in the fire. I'm talking about when I'm talking about when the word manifests itself with people, but in those instances, he came and he went. But in John chapter one, the word became flesh and stayed. He came and dwelled among us. Just think, it was a desperate time. I'm not gonna bow to you, King. Remember when the music plays? Y'all remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Babylonian captivity? When the music plays, everybody bow down and worship the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. Them boys, you know, in a crowd of 100,000, 200,000, 300,000, however many, three people that won't bow down when everybody else bows down, they'll show up. What's going on with these guys? Three of them won't bow down. We ain't going to do it. He said, you bow down. And he said, we're not going to do it. I'm giving you one more chance. We're not going to do it. He, he said, well, if you're, he says, it, it made the king so mad. He said, I, he heated the furnace seven times hotter. He said, bow down or go in. He said, well, take, we'll take the fire for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> Think about it. So hot that the people that tried to throw them in, it killed them instantly. But I'm talking about when the word become, I'm talking about when the word manifests. I'm talking about when, when the Son of God manifests among people. Are you hearing me? A whole nation is dependent on those three guys. Do you know that? And the king, the, the servants are dead that tried to throw him in. And he looked, and the king gets a look and he, saw, he says, because see, they didn't even get thrown in. They just opened the gate and it killed them dead. But they go in. Bound. The Bible says hand and foot. In their hats. and in, I don't know what they needed their hat for. But it, was in, it says they were in their hats and in their, in their robe. Bound hand and foot. The king says, hey, I'm talking about what happens when the word, shows, when, when the word manifests and shows his glory. Hey, didn't we throw three men in there? Yes, three. Wasn't they bound? Didn't, we bind, didn't you bind them hand and foot? Yes, bound. Had three men, three, one, two, three. Uno, dos, tres. Bound, head and foot. He said, well, why is it that when I look in there, 
I see four. Loose and walking around. It says, I see four loose and walking around. And he said, Nebuchadnezzar, the evil king, says, and the fourth man looks like the Son of God. And it says they brought him out. Only thing that the fire touched was the was the the, the, the shackles that bound them. You see, that's what it is. When the Word manifests in your life, when, the, when, when you see the glory of God, the only thing that's going to be smitten in your life is the shackles and the chains and the things that bound you and tie you to the, to, to the things of this world. The only thing burned was the things that held them bound. It says that they come out with their hats, didn't even leave their hat behind. How many of you hate when you leave your hat behind? Didn't leave the hat behind. It says not only that, they didn't even have the smell of smoke on their clothes. Talking about, you think it's something that when, see, we tell these the accounts of the Old Testament when the word manifests and showed the Shekinah present glory of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that what we got to realize is those were instances of times and that came before he got here, but now he came, says that, that he came and stayed. He's Daniel's fourth man. He's Malachi's son of righteousness that he saw that would rise with healing in his wings. Hallelujah. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. The creator came to be like me and to be like you and to live with us and stay to reconcile us back to God. See, it was, it was the first Adam, the Bible calls him, by Adam that, that broke the communion with God. It was the man, it was the bloodline of man that broke the communion with God through sin. He said, I sent the second Adam to reconcile us back to God. It took a, it took a man to destroy it. It took a man to redeem it. You have to understand something, Neil. He became something. How you got get your mind around that, Matt? How can you, how can you even get your mind around the one that always was and always will be? That in him was everything. He created everything. Without him, nothing was made that was made. Everything was made for him and by him. And so he always has been, always will be. Can't take away, can't add to. And yet somehow, some way, he became something. No, I don't think that's clicking. How does something that's everything become something? See, that's why it says that he wasn't created by man. It wasn't through, it wasn't through sexual relations. It wasn't, some, somebody didn't have a great idea. Say, so if you get these two great people together and they'd have a child, it'll be right. That's even what Eve thought, even after Cain, and, after, the, after Cain and Abel were born and then they had another son, she thought she had the Son of God again. But what she didn't realize was there was no way through a tainted bloodline that, that perfection could come from imperfection. But that's why this, when, the, when the Word became something, uh, the, uh, uh, Paul wrote to the Ephesian church that he who knew no sin became... There, he can't, 
There's a, he became some things. I mean, y'all, y'all don't even, y'all got to stop and think. Scratch a little deeper. Dig a little deeper in your mind. Dig a little, actually get your mind out of the way and let your spirit connect to the spirit of God and he will begin to reveal. See, it's the, it's the spirit of God that's the revealer. I can sit here and talk to you all night. I can, t- I can teach you all night. I can preach to you all night. But the one who, but the one who opens the revelation doesn't come, you're not going to see it. You're not going to see back up to the early part of the verse or back to, to Romans chapter 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. For it is the power. It is the, what we're sharing the story of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power to anyone who believes, to the Jew first, then the Greek. In it, the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed by faith. From faith to faith. For as it is written, what? The just shall live by faith. There's, that, there's a revelation that comes. When it clicks and you realize what he's done, you can realize what you can live in and what you can have and how different it can be. You realize the magnitude. Why I can start, sit here and say, you know, putting a man on the moon, that was cool. But it's not, it's not anything in human history. If it never happened, it wouldn't change a thing. I'm pretty awesome. I think America's pretty awesome. It's been a great, it's been a, it's, it's, I, believe, I believe America was God's idea. That makes people mad. Woo. Woo-hoo. I believe that he raised up a, a, a land because people were looking for more of him. I ain't going to get into all kinds of American history tonight, but I can, you can argue all day all you want to, but those people came here to get out from underneath the thumb of the English king and the Church of England. They come seeking to be able to serve God, the, by the way, the Christian God, in any way they saw fit without the king of England telling them how they were going to worship. That's why they came. And miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, God raised up this lamp. Oh, you make me want to address some cynical, stupid people, but I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I can tell you this, that they were people that were pursuing God and the freedom that came from being able to serve God. And I can tell you that we became the, the, home, the land of the free and the home of the brave. I can tell you that, that it became a place of what? Liberty. It's not, it's not a statue of whatever in the New York Harbor. It's a statue of what? Both of you know, have we really come to the place that we don't know what statues in New York Harbor? Statue of what? Liberty. What is liberty? Freedom. I can tell you this, that the word of God unashamedly declares in Galatians chapter 5 or chapter 4, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Freedom. Oh, I'm not going to go too far off, but I'm going to tell you, I've told you before. I wish I, I need to get me a big old globe about that big. A big one. I need a big one so I can roll it out here once in a while. There's some things I can sh- that I can show you just because I have a big old globe. But I know one thing. Can y'all, pre- can y'all play like, pretend? Yeah, pretend it's about that big. Yeah, spin that dude. 
assuming I landed on land and not in the middle of the ocean, wherever I landed, I can tell you every time how much gospel, how much word is in that country based off of its freedom. Oh, that can, that can, Dr. Yeah, Dr. Dumbbell, <laughs> Professor Beelzebub, yeah. and every other one of them, half of them preaching in Christian colleges, supposedly. They can rant, they can rave, they can scream, they can kick, they can tell me how uneducated I am. One of my favorite things, Matt, is whenever somebody comes after me, they want to know what my degree is in. I thought, checkmate. Yes. Oh, you don't understand. Y'all think I'm against education. I'm not education. I'm talking about when people are talking about the things of God and they want to check my degree. Every time when they start checking my degree, I think, checkmate, I got you. Because it's not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but it's with the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God that you learn. See, it's the, car, the carnal mind cannot think, cannot understand the things of God. So, so when you come out with a carnal mentality, now, I'm not talking about education's no good. I'm talking about when you start looking at the things of God through a carnal mind, you have lost. And I can tell you, you can document it, Dr. Dumbbell. You can, do your, you can do your next PhD dissertation on that whatever, put your finger on that map and research the amount of gospel in that country will match their freedom. All over the world, everywhere. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Let me tell you something. There's people sitting right here. There's people watching later, now and later. Five years from now, will, God, Lord willing, if we're here, I can tell you right now why America's freedoms are going by the wayside. And I don't know if you know that or not, but we're losing our freedom by the day. I mean, that's not, that's not rhetoric. That's not rhetoric. We're lo America's losing freedom by the day. And I can tell you why. Exactly why. When there's a decline of the Word of God, of the Gospel, of the things of God, of the Spirit of God, freedom goes with it. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Oh, if you just would click and understand what happened when the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. We beheld his glory. This word that became flesh, it was full. New Living Translation says full. New King James says full of grace and truth. I like that. For grace and truth. See, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I am so thankful. See, the law is not bad. Listen to me, New Testament saints. You get confused sometimes. There ain't nothing wrong with the law. Not a thing wrong with the law. The Bible says the law is righteous. Moses bought us the law. 
It was righteous. The law tells us about God's character. The, the law presents God's expectations, his desires, what, who he is. There's nothing wrong with the law. Moses brought us the law. Moses, one, the great patriarch, the, the, the meekest man who ever lived, the word of God says. He, a lot, hey, listen, Moses, Moses is honored with, by God still today. Hello? He brought us the law and we needed it. But he didn't bring us any power. Oh. Oh. I'm talking about when the creation, creator became the creation and stayed, dwelt among men. He brought with him grace and truth. That's huge. See, Moses brought the law. We needed it. But grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. The law told us how to live. What pleases God? It's righteous. It's right. No power. No ability to live right. Came by the law. The ability to live right came with the Son of God when he became flesh. Full of grace and truth. What is grace? Somebody, oh, y'all get tired of hearing me talking about what grace is. See, grace is power. Now, we, we can, we'll go there in just a minute. Grace is not, grace is the power to live right. Uh-oh. Y'all get to looking at me funny. Y'all think grace is the way to live any old way you want to and still go to heaven. That's not biblical grace. Uh-oh. Let's slow down a minute. I mean, it's been, it's been misrepresented for decades, centuries, millennia. Grace is, not, grace is not freedom to sin. Oh, I'm just saved by grace. I am saved by grace. I'm, I, 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 well, I'll just do, I, you know, I know the Bible talks about this, but, you know, I'm just grace of God. I just live, you know, I just live any way I want to, grace, grace of God. That's not the grace of God. That's not the grace of God. That's not the grace of God. Pull up Romans chapter 6, verse 1 real quick. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. I think it'll be. Give him a minute to shift back there. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. You got time to show me that in New Living Translation? I'm just curious to see it. Well then, should we keep on sinning to show that God can show us more and more grace? More and more of his wonderful grace. Oh, let me read that again. Well, well then. Y'all need to read that with some math. Hey, can you back up a verse or two into verse five? I see I'm putting them on the spot. So you learn to be instant in season and now season when you, when you teach with me. 
It's not here. God's law was given so that, oh, hey, yeah, let's talk about that. Because I told you, the law came through Moses. It's good, right? God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. It was for us. But the people sinned more, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Just as sin ruled over all the people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead. Now, I need to talk about the now. When's now? Let me tell you when the now is. After the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. After the Word went to the cross, paid the penalty of sin, died on the cross, buried in the grave three days, and raised triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. That's when the now is. But now, God's wonderful grace rules instead. Before, the law ruled. Now, grace rules. So, can I just sin in you? I just, I'm just going to sin. I'm just going to sin. Because, because where grace does abound, or where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. That's what King James says right there. And here it says, you know, it's just sin ruled over the people and brought them to death. Now, God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us the right, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Next verse. Well then, I kind of like that because that talks like us. Somebody, somebody, get, somebody just get into right here and now, right here in South Texas. Well then, should we just keep on sinning? <laughs> so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? I wish it said, are you kidding me? That's what I wish it said. If I translated it myself, that's what it would say. It would say, are you kidding me? King James says, God forbid. New Living says, of course not. That's good. I like it. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? See, the law came through Moses. It was good. It shows us the condition that we're in and who God is. The level we need to live up to, but it gave us no power to live up to it. But Jesus came, the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, but Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. That's better than the law. Because see, when grace came, what the, grace can do what the law can't. Grace is God's power in us Doing in us, through us, and for us what we can't do for ourselves. Jesus came so to bring grace and truth. So in it, see, I'm saved by, that's how I got saved by grace. Because I couldn't save me, Matt. You couldn't save you. You can't live good enough. Somebody hear me. You can't be good enough. You do not have the ability. You don't even have the want to. Without Jesus. He, he is who gives you even the want to. You ain't hearing me. You didn't want to. Somebody admitted in this place before you got saved. Let's get real a minute. Before you got saved. First of all, you thought people that were living right 
you, you call them names. You call them names. Oh, they think they're all that. Oh, they, yeah, they, 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 they got, they usually say stupid things like this. Oh, yeah, they got religion. They got religion now. And, well, and then they say dumb things like this. Uh, give them a week. Give them a week. You know what you're saying when you say dumb stuff like that? Give them a week and they'll be back in their misery just like me. Let's go ahead and say what you're really saying. Go ahead, give them a week, and they'll, and they'll be cutting up and half-killing themselves and miserable just like I am. Just give them a week. Because, you know, the old saying is that misery loves company. And I'm going to tell you it's true. Misery loves company. Misery loves company. Before you were saved, before you, knew, before you were born again, you didn't have any want to live, right? You say, well, yes, I did, Pastor. No, you didn't. Don't sit there and lie. Because you're going to need grace to abound when you do that. Don't sit there and lie. You know what you didn't like? I can tell you what you did. You didn't have any, you didn't have any desire to live right. You didn't have any desire to change. What you, if, if anything, occasionally you, didn't, you wanted free from the consequences of how you were living. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to quit running around. I can talk about that in a minute. I don't, don't want to quit my, my philandering and skirt chasing. I'm using old-fashioned words because today's terms we can't use in church. I don't, I'm talking about getting real a second. I'm talking about grace and truth. Because I'm telling you, without the grace of God, you didn't care. You hated your consequences, but you didn't hate your sin. You didn't, you didn't want to quit chasing all the other hers. You just didn't want her to leave you. Yeah. Somebody fall out. <laughs> Somebody fall out. You didn't want to give up your side chick. You just didn't want the one at home to quit cooking for you. <laughs> Somebody say, Whoa! <laughs> I ain't lying. You, you didn't want to you didn't want to keep you didn't quit well, you didn't want to quit stopping on your way home from work buying that fifth. Or that case. You didn't want to quit. You just wanted somebody to pay your DWI and get you out of prison. Or you wanted to quit puking. Or you wishing you didn't need a liver transplant. Now, I got a question. Is that right or wrong? You didn't want to quit. You just didn't like the consequences. Hmm. You wanted your cake, and you ate it too. It just don't work that way. Now, don't y'all wish I wouldn't get this real? Man, I pick on y'all a little more because it's just easier that way. Grace. See, the first thing grace done for you, see, see what happened, I'm going to spend about the next 15, 
Mom, the rest of it. 15, 20 minutes. I'm going to spend on a, a few things because I need you to understand something. There's some things I need you to understand. We sung about, there was a, there came a woman. She came to Jacob's well. Her life was broken and ruined. Her soul was lost as well. But then she met the master. He told her, listen to what he did. Listen to what Jesus did. He told her of her sin. He told her of her sin. We got a church world today that don't want to talk about sin. The first thing that has to happen for grace to come in, I'm, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The law came by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The first thing that happens to bring grace even on the scene of your life is to be confronted about your sin. That's the first thing that has to happen. I'm not talking about going down the market basket and getting in line and everybody's got something you don't like or whatever saying, you're going to hell. I've met those people. I don't like them. You ever met them? They stink. Sister Papoofney. first thing that happens to happen, has to happen is for you to know you're a sinner. You have to deal with sin. Sin has to be dealt with. And you know, let me tell you who does that. The Spirit of God comes in. See, that's the problem with people going and screaming at people. They're going to hell. That's their flesh screaming. They're, 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 those are law folks, I got to tell you. Hey, law come through Moses. <laughs> yeah, they dress like Moses most of the, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> Why did I say that? Why did I say that? <laughs> it is rolling right out. <laughs> Scott, give me a good talking to after church. <laughs> I'm tell that doesn't work. Screaming at people, they're going to hell. Because that's out of your carnal mind. That's the law talking. Now, when the Spirit of God begins to open, see, when the Spirit of God opens a door, y'all want me to leave it alone? I'm not going to. I'm not going to. See, when the Spirit of God opens, see, it's by... I don't like people. Ah, people shoving their religion down my throat. I ain't got no religion to shut down your throat. No. Let me tell you a few things. The Bible says it's by the foolishness. The foolishness of preaching. That's next. So it's by the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. 
not foolish preaching, by the foolishness of preaching. What's the foolishness of preaching? God's plan to the wisdom of this world, God's plan is foolishness. He takes simple people and gives them truth in a situation. And when they tell the truth, see, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. When the Spirit of God begins to work in somebody, they'll bring truth to a situation. The foolishness of preaching. And the Spirit of God comes and convicts a heart of their sin. That same woman at the well. You know, he, somebody, most of you in here know the, story, know the account. Some of you don't, so let's just use it real quick. Because, I mean, we've forgotten, what, we've forgotten what preaching is. We've forgotten what the gospel is. We've forgotten what church is all about. It's become a social club. It's become a numbers game. It's become a social influencing. I mean, that's what this generation, you know what, some, one of the number one goals used to be people wanted to be doctors, they wanted to be lawyers, their little boys wanted to be firemen, they wanted to be policemen. They wanted to be, you know what they want to be now? Social influencers. Doesn't that make you want to puke just to say it? Social influence. Jesus goes into this land that even his disciples said, what are we going there for? So he was down walking. That makes me want to tell a story, but I won't. Uh, they were down walking and coming back, and Jesus said, hey, guys, I, I need to go through Samaria. I must needs. I must go through Samaria. See, the Jews hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated the Jews. And the Jews would walk 10 miles around an extra long, long way just to not go through Samaria. Samaria was shorter, but they didn't do it. Jesus said, ah, guys, I got to go. I must go. King James says, I must needs. Go through Samaria. And they said, well, Samaria? That's the JRV. Samaria? What are you going through Samaria for? Well, in the heat of the day, they got to Samaria. And he sat, Jesus sat down at a well in the heat of the day. There was a lady at the well. See, no, let me say that. There's a woman at the well. The Bible calls her a woman at the well. You ever notice it doesn't call her a lady? It calls her a woman. <laughs> but there was a woman at the well. I don't tell you why there was a woman at the well because the ladies come early. <laughs> the ladies come early. The ladies come when it's cool in the morning. This lady was there in the day because the ladies didn't want to be around this woman. Okay? Jesus comes and sits down at the well. Are y'all hearing me? I told you I'm going to spend the next few minutes on this. Grace and truth. Comes and has a conversation with her. He said, uh, I'm thirsty. Did you give me a drink? She said, a drink? She said, what's a, you being a Jew and me being a Samaritan, why are you, why are you talking, why are you even talking to me? Why are you even talking to me? And she said, you know, and the well is deep. Boy, the well was deep. The well was deep. The well was deep. The well's deep, and you don't have anything to draw with. He said, oh, 
lady, if you knew who you were talking to, if you just knew who you were talking to, he said, he said you would ask of me Amen. a drink. You would ask of me of living water. He said, you, he said, sir, I have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. With where are you going to get the water? Verse 12. Other way. He said, yeah, one more. And the woman says, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And he said, are you greater He said, the well is deep. You have nothing to live with. What are you going to give me this living water, this living water with? So are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us the well? He said, talked about where they worship and all these things. And he says, oh, no, this water I got is living water. And he began to talk to her. And you know what he said to her? He, you know, he, he didn't say, he said, he didn't say, hey, baby, God is love. Come on, somebody. He said, hey, go call your husband. I want to talk to him. Ooh. She said, she didn't want anybody would do. She played it off. I mean, she didn't tell, I mean, she didn't lie. I mean, in the lying sense, she just didn't, you know, truth, whole truth, no, no truth. You know, partial, partial truth is a whole lie. You know, the partial truth is a whole lie. Partial truth is a whole lie. Yeah. Go call your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you've said well, I don't have a husband. Hey, he didn't say you tell the truth. <laughs> he said, you've said well. You don't have a husband. He said, in fact, you've had five husbands. Oh, you talk about politically incorrect. Yeah, somebody ought to tell Jesus he wasn't very Christ-like. <laughs> now think about it. That's why we say, hey, that's just not very Christ-like. Thought you were a Christian. <laughs> you have five husbands. Then you're right. You speak well. You don't have a husband. You have, you've had five husbands. He said, and in fact, you're shacked up right now with number six. She said, oh, I think this is why some preachers don't come to church. They're afraid somebody's going to read their mail. He said, <laughs> he said, <laughs> I do. I think that. <laughs> she said, I've heard of, boy, that's one thing you don't need to profit whenever your life's messed up. <laughs> Just think about that. The last thing you need is a profit when your life's messed up. But it's really what you need when your life's messed up. It's what you need. She said, I perceive that you're a prophet. And he goes on and tells her all about. And you know what she did? He said, woman, believe me. 
the hours. He's talking about where, you know, well, it's a really important step. I don't need to miss it. Because first he says, he says, I don't got a husband. He said, you said, well, you got, you've had five. Now you're living with somebody. Oh, I perceive you're a, a prophet. He said, she, then, she, then she went all, like, like any good sinner does that has a little bit of religious knowledge, she went all, she went all churchy on him. What then? Shall we worship in this mountain? He said, girl, we ain't talking about where we're going to church. Woman. He said, our fathers worship in this mountain. The Jews say Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. She starts arguing about where you go to church at. You know, more, the more people change, the more they stay the same. Am I helping anybody yet? Oh, by the way, this is in John's, and we're going to cover it again at some point. And Jesus said to her, woman, must have been kin to Jason Smith. That's what he calls cat. Woman. <laughs> Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father, but you worship what you do not know. Oh, 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 oh. Boy, he cut right to the chase. You can go to any church you want to, but you don't know him. Do you know that's what he just said to her? He has just said to this woman, give me a drink, woman. Well, the well's deep. We'll get it anyway. And if you'd asked me for water, I'd have given you living water. And she, he says, go get your husband. I don't have one. Yes, you got five. Oh, and by the way, you shacked up. Oh, you're a prophet. Where are we going to church? It don't matter where you're going to church, woman. It says, because anywhere you go, you're going to talk to a God that you don't even know. That's what he said. That's what he said. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to work, and so God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And he said, and and, he, and the woman said to him, I, I know the Messiah is coming. He's called the cross. When he comes, he will tell us all the things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. By the way, let me insert, let me insert this because there's a whole lot of TikTok garbage, deconstruction. You know that there's a deconstruction movement. That it's a, a young evangelicals that's to tear down what the Word of God says. And, and they love to claim that Jesus never said he was God. Right there, he just did. Right there, he just did. Show it to me again. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. She said, I heard the Messiah was coming. He said, that's me. Yep, that's me. At this point, they said, they come and marvel that he talked to a woman. They said, no one... Why do, you, why do you speak to her? Why are you talking to her? And the woman left her, her water pot, went on her way to the city and said to the men, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. I needed 15 minutes, but I may need an ambulance here in a minute. <laughs> Can I help my brethren of the faith? Anybody watching the news? Anybody watching, anybody watching the denominations fight over women preaching when the hell's going to world and the world's going to hell in a handbasket? Anybody watching that besides me? 
I'm fixing to mess with your religion. You're, I'm sure you're sitting in this room too that you got it in your head that God doesn't use women to preach. First of all, I need to tell you to get over yourself right now. Just get over yourself. I don't have time to teach all night about what the Word of God says about, you, about your sons and your daughters should prophesy. I, I can tell you what Paul said in the Galatian church that tells you that, that in him that there's neither Jew nor Greek nor bond nor free nor male nor female that we're all one. I could go on and I could go on and I could go on and I could go on, but I'm going to have a hard stop right here. It says that woman, that Samaritan woman, that Gentile woman, that dirty dog tramp that took everybody's husband in town and was shacked up with another one right now met the living water and when she did she dropped her pot and she ran to town and she told the men i gotta tell you who did she preach to who did she preach to i'm gonna tell you who she preached to she preached to not to the ladies in the sunday school class she preached to the men you know why that's who knew her she had six husbands for crying out loud. She ran back into town and preached to the men. And you know what it says? They came and they drank from the same water. That's called an evangelist. I got news for you. That's called an evangelist. Now you can get all wrapped up in your denominational garbage all you want to, but you need to shred the denominational garbage and get back to the book. Get back to the book. If you want to explain the hard verses in 1 Corinthians about women, go do some study for crying out loud. You have, we have Google today. I'll loan you any book in my library where you can go dig through the passages and find out what Paul was talking about. Because I am sick and tired of hearing the argument while, while our kids are going to hell. I'm tired of men that got saved by a little bun-headed lady in a Sunday school class in third grade. They got saved by a little bun-headed lady. And then they come out 20 years later and say, you can't preach to me. Shut up. Shut up is what you need to do. Just shut up. And if you're still mad at me, you need to go find you a place with God and repent. That's what you need to do. Time is too short to be arguing over stupid stuff. Got say, preaching all over the world, but can't preach here. I got news for you. Let me help you, all you American. Let me help you. The only place in the world this is even a debate is right here. I can tell you, it's not a, it's not a debate in Israel. It's not a debate in Africa. It's not a debate in Central America, South America. It's not, it's not a, you know where it's a debate at? Right here. That's it. That's it. That's it. Oh. Give me some scripture so I can land this plane. Oh, I may post, I may post that. There's some people need to hear it. Because I'm going to tell you what it is, if I hadn't made you mad enough. Yeah, it's blatant hypocrisy. It's blatant misogyny. That's not, I don't throw that word around much because, see, the politicians like to throw that around. I don't like it. But this is straight up what it is. Got saved by, because a lady gave you the gospel. And then pfft, I get so sick of that junk, I could die. Literally. Wow. Our kids are going to hell. Literally.
Save me, Brandon. Give me some scripture. You know, uh, by the way, since she dropped her water pot, ran to town, listen to what she did. I already gave away the punchline. Look at what she did. Look, what is this? Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came to him. Y'all, y'all missed it because it's not three, because their sermon wasn't 45 minutes long. All of this. Oh, I remember what I was getting at. Grace and truth. What brought her there? Grace. And truth. Woman, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. You've spoken well. You've had five. The one you're living with is not your husband. Don't matter where you work, girl. It don't matter where you're going to church. You don't know him anyway. But the time is coming, and now is when they that worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such. She dropped her water pot and ran. Truth, girl, you are a, an adulterous sinner. You're a hot mess. But I'm your answer. Truth opened up grace. And when grace came in, it changed everything. What I'm trying to get us to understand in this closing two minutes is that when the Word became a human being and dwelled among us, stayed with, you know what part of that dwelling among us is? is an account of a woman at the well because he was there. That account's probably led as many people to the Lord as any account that's ever that's written in the entirety of the Word. Powerful. That and the woman caught in the act of adultery. People leave out half of that story. Caught in the very act. Law says we should stone her. What do you say? That sin cast the first stone. It says one by one they dropped their stone and left. Jesus says, woman, where are your accusers? That was an important question because the law did say to stone her. And Jesus had to keep the law perfectly or it couldn't be the sacrifice. How to get out of it? See, to put somebody to death, it was in the mouth of two or three witnesses. You had to have two or three witnesses to put somebody to death. She was caught in the act of adultery. The law did say to kill her. You without sin cast the first stone. See, conviction went out because truth came. Said so one by one they dropped their stone. Left. Woman, where are your accusers? She said, I don't have any. There's no there's no witnesses. Woman, where are your accusers? I don't have any. He said, Neither do I condemn you. See a lot of people stopped right there. But he said something else really important. The rest of the story. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. There was no want to and no ability to change until truth and grace came. Grace is the power. It's such a big deal. 
that the Word became flesh. The Word became a human being. It changed everything. Stand with me all over this house. Father, I'm just so thankful that I can come in the name of your son, Jesus. See, there's no other name given among men whereby I must be saved. You made a way where there was no way. You came in above the law and brought grace and truth, the power to live for you. Lord, I pray tonight that your truth and your grace is speaking to hearts in this place. Every head's bowed and every eye closed. We're not going to delay it. We're just going to... Let me tell you something tonight. If you're hearing the sound of my voice here now live or watching by live stream or whether you watch 10 years from now, the truth of the word is still the truth of the word. Right now, if the, if the, if, if the Spirit of God's come and, and highlighted your condition where you know that, you, that you're just dead in your sin. You have, maybe it's just dead religion, but you know now that, hey, I'm, I'm separated from God, a sinner without God. I tell you, it's just as simple as asking him for forgiveness. Literally, just asking. Acknowledge his son that you make him Lord and Savior of your life. Confess him with your mouth. It's, it's big words. It's, it's real simple. It really is. He's came and he's, he's pointed out your condition. Now just say, we'll just pray it together all over the house. Lord, I, Father, I need you. And I'm sorry for who I've been. I put my life and my whole faith into Jesus Christ, your son, and who he is and what he's done. I believe he's the son of God. And tonight I make him my Savior and my Lord. And I thank you for saving me, washing me, cleansing me, and I'll live for you the rest of my life. Listen to me, words mean nothing, but when it's mixed with faith and a confession of faith, it's literally that simple. Because with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. And you become a new creation in Christ Jesus when you place your faith in him. Now I'd say to what he, I'll say to you what he said to the lady caught. Now go and sin no more. Thank you, Father, that the Son became, that the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Amen and amen. Shake somebody's hand. Hug somebody's neck.